Welcome, reanimated fans, to this week's episode. We were on a bit of a hiatus because I was traveling around Paris, being like Daryl Dixon, though in a slightly less uh, post-apocalyptic Paris, I suppose. I am back after eating all the things and... Uh, happy to be here with you today. Uh, we have a few, actually quite a few news items, which has been a rarity. And then we're going to be talking about um, our last two episodes of Daryl Dixon, um, uh, De Amour and Coming Home. And so that will wrap up the series. Lots to talk about today. So let us get into it. Um, Wait, who's we? Oh, yeah, I guess I should remember. I just assume that everybody knows you, Stuart, because, you know, you're my intrepid co-host. I just can't talk till you acknowledge my presence. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. Anyway, yeah, it's the law of podcasts. I'm also I'm also a little jet lagged. I'll admit I'll own up to that. Um, But anyway, hello. Hello, Stuart. And I missed you. I missed you despite my terrible oversight there. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Sorry about that. It's it's Um, all good. Anyway, so you found this really kind of interesting post that uh, Greg Nicotero put up about the the fall of the House of Usher, which, you know, I'm not totally shocked, but it's kind of exciting to see it. That was kind of interesting. Yeah, like what he says in this Instagram post is he doesn't usually gush about other people's shows that often, um, but he's just like fall of House of Usher is awesome. And I got to work with a bunch of those cast members and Mike Flanagan's like ensemble that he seems to gather around himself. Um, and he loves all them too. And the thing that I, the other thing I wanted to point out was fall of the house of Usher, which I haven't watched is like it, Flanagan's basically doing a show a year. Yep. Uh, Cause since uh, the Catholic one, what was the vampire one that we watched Uh gospel? No last midnight mass, mass midnight, midnight mass. They did the midnight club uh, last year and now fall of house of Usher. This guy is ridiculously prolific. I just can't picture him doing anything but sitting at home writing monologues all the time. Uh, that's just kind of a, a dig against him. But I uh, I haven't, uh, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen the last two shows that he's put out on Netflix. I have not, um, but I can definitely check it out. And uh, but I like, you know how I feel about it. I like him a lot. I think he puts together some really interesting things. I do think that having this sort of solid group of people that he works with makes it a little easier to do this stuff. Cause he knows he's kind of probably thinking in his head, Hey, I know how to slot this in. And he's thinking of these people and he, there is a certain amount of, um, I think like, um, consistency in terms of what, you know, you're going to get from people. Um, so that's kind of a cool thing, but yeah, no, he has been quite prolific in the stuff that he has been putting out. I can't imagine this is easy to meet this like I mean a midnight mass came out in the spring one year and then I feel like though the last two years it's been around fall that these other shows are popping up so it's just the guy must be nonstop. that's that's pretty cool and in comic-con exciting news lots going on at comic-con this year in terms of announcements but this was uh there was finally a date for the new Rick and Michonne series called The Ones Who Live, which a lot of people have been laughing about in terms of the name of the title, but we it is coming in February. So that's pretty exciting news. Yeah. Um I, I don't I don't really get the the naming. I don't get the first of all, I don't get why AMC was like, this is a great name. And I don't get why people are freaking out about it being such a bad name i guess it, like, i think people are just like if you've got a daryl dixon why not just call it ricky michonne and then you know what it's what it's about but i i just think people are looking for things to complain about that's my that's my 
interesting. But um, what would they have called the Daryl Dixon show if it was still Melissa McBride and Norman Reedus together? Daryl and Carol. That would <laughs> the Daryl and Carol show. The Daryl and Carol um, show. Um, I mean, come on. Yeah, um, it was right there. Yeah, it's right there before their eyes. Um, but anyway, lot some stills from that. Really good to see. Honestly, good to see both these characters again. Did you see the teaser uh, trailer from? Yeah, from yeah. It's, uh, um, so you're gonna have CRM. You've also got uh, Jadis is confirmed as a cast, a cast, uh, or a character. So yep, uh, Pollyanna sure. McIntosh, whose run on the World Beyond was, um, I don't know. Like I think that show was so so. So I have a so so takeaway yeah, from her. Even though she was doing good work, she definitely forged herself into a big bad in that in that series. So maybe she's, I mean, Pollyanna McIntosh can choose some scenery. She can do the work, I think. So it's going to really depend on the writing for, sorry, just hit my mic. It's going to really depend on the writing for the show, whether or not her turn as a CRM baddie is going to, you know, do the, do the justice that we kind of need it to do. There's so much pressure. It's like, there's a lot of stakes on this show. There is, there is. Um, so we shall see. And maybe that's I mean, look, that may be why they've taken so long to to come out with this, but they've been very careful. I mean, also remember we've had the writer strike, the actor strike. Um, so lots going on, you know, as this has been sort of unfolding. But I'm very excited. I cannot wait to see. Um can't wait to see this and talk about it with you when it comes out in February. So something to look forward to in the winter months. Yeah. Um, another thing to look forward to, maybe, well, um, <laughs> or maybe to look forward to in like kind of a plane crashed kind of a way, which is funny, um, is this show, this movie coming out called Zombie Plane. Is this like airplane with zombies? It's, it feels kind of like it has to be. It's it's the the two cast members that they have named so far have been Chuck Norris and Vanilla Ice, and others to come. Like a lot of cameos are saying, so that's what it feels like to yeah. me. Yeah. Um, it's but, already been filmed. It was filmed in Australia last year, uh, over the last year, I guess. No release date. But um, it's going to be 90s nostalgia mm. and comedy. Unforgettable one-liners. Yeah, yeah, this is definitely snakes on a plane with zombies. Yeah. Um, so anyway, looking, let's see who else ends up in that. But it will be probably good for a couple of laughs, I would imagine. Um, also announced or like a first look at this show called uh, Generation Z. And so that's going to be it looks pretty good. Um, Honest, I'm, I'm like low key, very excited about this because yeah. this, is, this is coming from uh, UK. It's Channel 4. They don't they don't do like a lot of garbage shows because they don't do as their, their per output is not as much as over here. So mm -hmm. if they're going to commit to this and they're. They're calling it a Ben Wheatley series, even though I don't know who Ben Wheatley is, but he was on, um, <laughs> what was he on? Something, uh, Wimbledon, which is a show I've never seen or heard of, so I'm, but I'm sure it was good. I've heard of Downton Abbey and To Call the Midwife, which is two of the other cast members who are being called out here, Sue Johnston and Anita Dobson. But there, we're, we're looking at a, a uh, generation storyline. Like if you look at the still halfway down this article on Deadline, it's a bunch of uh, old people who are potentially zombies so i'm kind of picking up this vibe that it's going to be a literal uh you know generation battle which i think is kind of an interesting take yeah um it's it's yeah it looks pretty good though so i'm gonna you know a couple of the articles were kind of joking around calling it grand of the dead which i thought was kind of funny grand of the uh, dead <laughs> yeah um so that sure. was 
yeah yeah it was kind of funny um and then um i don't i don't know a lot about um ben wheatley but apparently he does have a um you know he's got a reputation um so that's that's the deal um that's the deal with ben wheatley he's they're calling it ben wheatley's zombie series so i don't know if like um he did the meg too i think um that's the the one thing i think i know he did um i don't i haven't seen that yet i'm saving that for a rainy day maybe today um but uh anyway like so he's definitely like a horror genre that was actually you know obviously like a massive like kind of ridiculous yeah kind of a production so this looks a little bit lower key but i i'll you know i'll I'll bite so to speak (laughs) haha um and then um, the last thing, I don't want to give away too much because we're going to talk about some of this in the next thing, but um, our friends at Forbes, um, er- or our friend at Forbes, Eric Kane, wrote this whole, um, you know, his his disgust with the the series title of The the Ones Who Lived and some other things about what, what is going to be happening in this particular, in the last episode of this Daryl Dixon series. Um, but it was pretty funny and snarky, so I recommend the write-up if you have a chance to check it out. This is actually, so I, I guess this news dropped at Comic-Con, and we'll talk about this in the episodes we're talking about today, but Carol character of carol is coming back i didn't realize it was going to be more than a cameo although that's kind of implied uh and so she's coming back for the entire second season is basically what yeah i mean they're calling it the book of carol um so that's kind of funny but that's what Uh, they're calling the show now that's what they're calling the second season i think it's daryl dixon the book of carol um so I so I wasn't expecting that because I think what what I had heard and what we read was that she couldn't commit to the um like two years in France, two years in France. And so I like it, but that she was planning to make some appearances in the show. So that sounded like more to me than a cameo, like maybe some kind of a minor storyline um, or, you know, um something that was like more extensive than a cameo but i didn't expect it to the whole second series so maybe she figured out what she needed to or she could do a year not two years um but i do know that they filmed all the i mean as far as i know i think they they filmed all of this in france so she has to be over there um but maybe it was that just for that particular time frame she couldn't do it for that long and maybe she can do it for a year and Um, i know they're already doing they're already working on season two is my understanding too and and so if she's already flown over there and they're flying over all these like Mustangs and Daryl's bike. Can you just imagine the logistics of getting oh, yeah. like all this Walking Dead stuff over there? I'm sure it's just as simple as putting it all in a container. Well, but well, still. the other the other piece is just the logistics of filming in Paris because having just been over there, that is not an easy city to to be filming in. Um, well, that that it, part of the storyline might be over, but yeah, they they definitely got their and they got their money's worth out of that one bridge. They they did. Um, but also not just in the city itself, but um in like Mont Saint Michel is also not an easy place to be able to it's overrun by tourists all the time. Right. So, you know, I know certainly they limited to you you see those like sort of faraway shots, obviously, but like they are definitely filming there. So it's um You think the interior shots of them on the grounds are are there? They're there, or just um, like somewhere nearby? Maybe somewhere nearby, but a lot of it does look like it's there. So maybe they had a few days where they could do a few of those shots to make it like 
realistic. I guess you could maybe do it in a couple of places, but it's kind of hard to like replicate that sort of specific area because it's all up on the hill and like looking down and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, I have I a know. feeling there's a few different monastery type places near the coast that they could probably have taken advantage of. Well, I mean, they did use the one where the original monastery was like an abbey that they took over. Um, so I do know that that that's one of the things that they did where they the initial place where Daryl hangs out um, with Laurent, et cetera. That's actually like an abbey that they filmed in. So maybe they did more there. Um, but anyway, yeah, the logistics of doing this over there seems just insane to me. So monumental. And and but I'm, I'm glad that Melissa McBride is like, OK, yeah, I'm going to come back for for more. Uh, yep. She could add, certainly add a lot. I don't know if they're going to bring her to France. That would be pretty crazy. Um, but let's yeah, wait and but see. Likely. But likely you could see it happening. So we'll see. Yeah. Apparently, um, if, if there are the like just regular container ships going back and forth across the Atlantic, then maybe absolutely. And speaking of which, that is kind of uh, a big part of episode five of Du Zamour. Mm -hmm. So do you, which should we um, should we start talking about uh, Daryl and his? Yeah, let's let's his, talk about it. Super intense flashbacks that he keeps having in this episode. Daryl did not have a good time in Maine. It was not a good state for him. Um, <laughs> no. so basically he is, we don't know exactly why he's traveling around like he is, but he seems to be trying to get back home. Um, he has this sort of like run in to, you know, sort of rounded up with a bunch of other guys. Um, and the whole idea is that they will get some walkers for some unknown purpose. Um, and in exchange for any walkers they get, they get fuel. This is a pretty funny sort of setup scene because, you know, all the, all the people around are a bit rough and tumble, except for this, like, kind of like what behind the ears teenager. And, you know, they, the first day that they go out, um, just the, the, the way that they're all bringing in people and then Daryl brings in like 30 or something crazy it's like not, that. It, so the three douchebags bring in five, they say, even though there's six in their string, which is weird. And then Daryl brings in like six just by himself. So I think that were six or seven. It's not like 30, but it's still the way he Come does on, it. Let is me in, exaggerate. Let right, me yeah. but the way he does it is super impressive, like just with one piece of rope and then yeah. those sharpened stakes that he's jamming through their faces. Yeah. it's super it's like okay superhero level daryl stuff yeah i like i like these scenes i thought that it's it's like a pretty far-fetched operation that they're just like yeah we need you guys to bring us live zombies i feel like this is work that would be not you wouldn't just be recruiting people off the street but maybe that one guy who recruits daryl is like you know his bike has like a morning star on one side which i thought was an interesting like mm -hmm. he has his American Morning Star on his motorcycle in Maine, uh, his crossbow on the other. He's got his big ass knife, and he's got his poncho. Daryl looks like a guy who can handle himself, so he does just get recruited right on the spot. Yeah, uh, and you know, but I also want to just quickly talk about how he launched into this flashback because we the episode starts with him and Aslan on the boat. He's yeah. that Aslan and, and Laurent is sitting up in the front, like trying to catch bugs or something, and Daryl's like, "This kid, you know, what a waste of time." Um, and Aslan, meanwhile, is is asking Daryl, like, are you a Christian? And uh, how did you end up here? And it's the question, how did you end up here? That's like Daryl looks up at the at the horizon and then, and then fogs bam, out. we're bam, we're in a flashback. And he does this several times in this episode where his flashbacks are it's you know, it's like this thing about uh, filmmaking or, or you know, shooting film. I, I don't really 
I'm not a filmmaker. I don't know how I would do it, but they choose this really like literal. I'm going to go into a flashback phase for Daryl in this episode. And it happens several times because this flashback continues throughout the episode. And I just found but it to be funny. But what's funny is that you don't get the sense that he's actually like telling Aslan all this happens. He doesn't say anything. And yeah, he's just like his silent face. When he comes back from the flashback, Aslan is just like, well, whatever, whatever the reason, it must have been really, you must have had a hard time. So Daryl has literally just been staring into space and Aslan is now just trying to fill the silence with like, yep. <laughs> so I thought that was hilarious. But yeah, Daryl, Daryl has some hard flashback cuts uh, in, in these, in this episode. But so the first one, we find out that he's basically, yeah, he's going to be bringing, he's going to be bringing zombies to this crew. Here's a question for you, though, H.A. First day, he he gets six or seven zombies. He gets the big can of gas. Why doesn't he just leave right away? Maybe he needs a lot more to get where he's going. He probably Mm -hmm. needs more to, like, carry. So that's, I think he just needs a little bit more fuel because he's going really far. I mean, if he's way up in Maine and he needs to get back down south. That's not that's not going to get him there. So he's probably trying to make sure that he has enough. But maybe, maybe. But yeah. anyway, and, you know, he's pulling his Daryl stuff where he's got like this kid who is, uh, you know, um, trying to to like get his girl away from her abusive dad. And like and Daryl's like, I don't really want to have anything to do with this. But ultimately, like he kind of shows the kid how to like chop wood. Um, but. Like, you know, he always has a soft spot sort of for kids reluctantly. That's always the thing. He's a reluctant mentor. Well, um, he talks about, and also in this episode, he's like, uh, Laurent is asking him, who do you pray to? And he's like, nobody. What do you believe in? I believe in pulling my own weight. And that's kind of another time that he is sent off into a flashback. He's like, yes, pulling your own weight. So he does have a thing for like these kids. And he counts this 20 something or this 18 year old as a kid in this case, too who like he just doesn't know anything and so daryl wants to wants to bring him up as long as he seems like an earnest person i think that like appeals to daryl sensibility yeah. and so yeah him and laurent is more resistant than this other kid who's like really needs the help mm-hmm. uh like i thought there was an interesting co- contrast between the 20 something or the young guy in maine and laurent who doesn't really want to learn how to gut a fish uh, but Daryl's like trying to teach him against his will. I thought those were interesting juxtap- juxtaposed against each other. They were, they were. Um, and yeah, um, so that there, there's that. But there's also the interesting exchanges between Aslan and Daryl. And, you know, D- Daryl is like, um, you know, being his very Daryl self. Um, so he like Aslan gives gives Daryl this very like on point quote about Abra- Abram being a pilgrim and that, you know, you're gonna go to this land uh that I'll show you and and you're going from your country and your house. And Daryl says something like, Well, I guess I guess Abram didn't end up in France or whatever. <laughs> like it was just this like weird very Daryl response um to it uh which you know this guy's trying to be spiritual or whatever and daryl's just being daryl um and so like his interactions with people are generally like he always has like his wall up right so even with aslan even with this kid and and not as much with lorando though he'll like he will give lauren a little bit of of insight into what's going on he, he actually like uh, at some point 
talks about the people the one time that he talks about anybody back home is here with is like with Laurent. Yeah. Um though he doesn't give him really much information. Um, <laughs> and Laurent's and Laurent's like, those sound like nice people. What what did you and think? And Daryl's the- response and Daryl's response is like, how would you know? Yeah. And <laughs> like, they, really? they don't go on. But what did you yeah. think of the list? Uh it was interesting. It like, was like it, it was the the order of it was Judith and RJ. Connie yep. was third. Yep. Uh, Ezekiel and finally and this lady Carol. Carol. Um and I'm like, all right, so where's Gabriel? Where's Eugene? <laughs> where's I like, know, like obviously they don't matter to him. Whatever. They're not uh, they don't make the short list, but Ezekiel does. I don't know that I remember Daryl and Ezekiel being very close, but uh the cast I, was so big was, that you know. Just an interesting list, right? Yeah, it's a little bit interesting, and it, it's it's like you're gonna put Connie third. After you did nothing with that relationship in season eleven, you did I know nothing with it. Like, uh, like I, yeah, I I want him to be with Connie. That I, I don't really understand what they're doing. What's the point of Daryl's love life? Uh, is yeah. is he asexual after all? I mean, he, yes, he hooked up with Leah, Leah, forget her name now. Yeah. Uh, but that was that was a weird relationship too. Um. But why can't he just have uh, like, I guess they don't want him to be like settle down and have a wife or a girlfriend is probably part. Well, I mean, he's and they they bring this up a lot and they brought it up a lot more in this series. But he was from a really abusive family, Um, his father. And they they go into a a little bit of the history of that in this more than you ever have seen. Yeah. Kind of like how they did that. I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, Yeah, I kind of felt like it came out of nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> but but yeah, I liked it. I, you know, I, I like the background. I like the background. I guess what I what I thought was a little uh, heavy handed was the scenes from the beaches of Normandy in nineteen forty. Yeah, that was a little weird. Five as uh, okay. Yeah, you gotta we're gonna... get you gotta get Normandy in there somehow. You know that. Yeah, but you um, don't have to do like a a flashback that nobody was even around to witness. From... I I agree with you because I just don't think that that was necessary. Other than, but I guess I would tie that last scene on the beach with him in there. Maybe so, there's I just guess. like a huge warehouse full of Saving Private Ryan props in in Normandy that they were like, yeah. we got to use this stuff. Uh, Maybe, but so... in any case, he's like. <laughs> in any case, you know, indeed. I mean, he's like that. I think that this is more of his story than we've ever seen. So. Yeah. Maybe they were just anyway. Uh, I think they were trying to give weight to that final scene, and that was the purpose. But I agree; I don't know that that was necessary. Um, I do think they but, gave Aslan some good moments uh, with Daryl and Laurent. Not a not a lot because he's not around for very long. He he doesn't make it through the episode, this, uh, fifth episode, but he does have that um, interaction where he kind of like intercedes on on Daryl's behalf in, in a way. Laurent is like, "I can't eat fish. I made a promise to God." And uh, Aslan is like, it's okay, man. Sometimes you got to do it. You don't have a choice. You got to eat that fish. Uh, you know, there was little stuff like that. Otherwise, it was fairly, it was brief because between the flashbacks, there's not, a, and it's not like Aslan's talking the whole time. You got to have time for Daryl and Laurent right. to be doing their stuff. So by the yeah. time they make their camp one day into boating down the river, I don't know why they had to pull over to camp. Why couldn't they camp on the boat? But, that was weird, right? Like you're way more you're way more secure on the boat right where from zombies, everybody yeah from everybody um but anyway they but there's a lot of flashbacks in this um and then this this whole you know 
um, idea that they it's not just that they're camping like sort of away from the boat. It's that they're camping and then have a light on in the cave, which would attract walkers and others. So that was confusing to me, um, like why that decision was made. But anyway, um, Daryl has some moments. Sorry. Sorry well, you, well, yeah, this was where Daryl had another hardcore flashback. They show him being awake. They show him waking up at night, looking at the roof of wherever the ruin they're, they're in and then flashing back. And then he yeah. like comes out of his flashback and basically Aslan has been fighting four zombies and is now dead. So uh, yeah. like, that was a little bit funny to me that he's like so hard in his thoughts about his like, you know, six months ago or however long ago this was that he doesn't hear Aslan fighting a bunch of zombies. Right. And yeah. And so he's just flashing back hard. He's so hard. Of any of anything. Um, but his flashbacks, I mean, they they get us more information about how he ends up there, which is basically the kid that he was trying to help gets murdered, clearly, by that group of yahoos. And um, because Daryl has an altercation with them, him and the other guy he fights with end up like as a punishment on this container ship. Um, He's also and- had a chance to radio... Alexandria, not Alexandria, but the Commonwealth or whatever, and talk to Carol really briefly yeah. to tell her that he's in Maine near the coast. That's as much information as he gives her, which makes the, the final scene of the series of this uh, season a little more far-fetched. Uh, like she basically shows uh, up, she shows up within Maine. a mile or two uh, of where he was in Maine. Well, she also says something, which I'm guessing it's tied into the Rick and Michonne, but she says something that someone has come back. Right. And it's a um, short name. Or gets the name. Yep. It's, like, it's like a one so. or, sh- or maybe two syllable name. You don't know what it is. It could be Heath. Could be. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Unlikely, but I guess it could be. <laughs> They'll have that dude show up be like, guys, listen, I've been on an adventure. Stand by while I flash back. Mm-hmm. Uh, while, while these flashbacks... Oh, Jesus Christ, keep hitting the mic. Sorry. Well, while these flashbacks are happening, uh, we also are in Paris every so often to see that Isabel is waking up in a beautiful manor, um, downtown Paris, Parisian, yeah, palace style building with lots of guards and a lady named Marie who can make patisserie, which actually looked pretty good. Uh, but she's she's having some some hard times. I think she really regrets having gone back to talk to Quinn. And as uh, as it turns out, it was completely pointless and made no difference anyway. Uh, yeah the interesting thing is that everything is so well maintained every fabric like oh yeah everything is so well maintained it again this is like many years after everything has melted down um and yet the fashions and the like the clothing that they're getting like even that stuff would probably be kind of broken down like so uh, you know that's like I find with the jewelry that makes sense but a lot of the stuff that they've got it doesn't totally make sense to me in this world um but that's you know I think that the contrast between what we've been seeing outside and what we're seeing here this is almost a complete return to the world she was in before although obviously a lot more lavish um and Quinn is trying to sort of in a like again it 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 doesn't completely explain like you know she abandoned him and yet he is so desperate to get her back and it yeah. doesn't they, they never have a real discussion about that particular conflict which i thought is weird did you find that strange yeah they never talk about it that's true 
And uh, what I found most strange was that he's just so handily gave away his son. Like he's right. like, yeah, I've gotten word that uh, Laurent is uh, got past the, you know, he's out of the city with your American friend who the last time he had seen Quinn had beaten the crap out of him. Like he is so yeah. bygones, but be bygones that it doesn't, it does feel a little bit weird. So yeah, um, uh, not, not ideal. Uh, her, her struggle with like, I'm, I, you know, I thought this was actually kind of well done where she like makes a little shiv and she's like, all right, I'm going to kill him. And then in the scene where she is struggling with trying to figuring out if she can go through it or grow through with it or not, what, what he is interpreting it as is that, is she willing to abandon her vows and have, and, you know, have sex with him. And so I thought that that was actually, that was actually smart. Like the fact that she's acting like a psycho or like, or, you know, or showing hesitance is actually on a, a couple of different levels and it worked for me. Um, yeah. And I thought they did a good job. These two, uh, you know, my, my criticisms aside, these two definitely have chemistry and they have that, um, they have an interesting rapport. Um, and this all made sense to me. What doesn't make sense to me is that he's got, there's like an insider in his house, which is basically the patisserie maker yeah um helps uh, like hide a message that she gives and again this is one of these far-fetched things in this whole show where it's like i don't know like there is there are just so many convenient things that happen in this particular case this wasn't exactly like super secret she like basically points to the secret message on the tray Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that that was a little bit weird. Well, um, they're alone in the room. Uh, yeah, it is. It's far fetched that Falu, as which is I assume who the message came from, yeah, would know where, like, know Marie, know where the secret this manor house is. Maybe it's common knowledge in Paris, in like zombie yeah. Paris. But it, it, you know, the you got to watch out for those patisseries, uh, patissiers. They're they uh, they got the they got the knowledge. They're the inside scoopers. Get you. And they'll get you for um, real. But there's also his mention to her that, oh, we're going to go um, go to this this pouvoir celebration. And the minute he says that, I was like, I don't know that that's a good idea. Right. Um, so I don't know. This is this is all an interesting thing that ends up happening where she's now going to be back in the place um, with Quinn. I think that Quinn's interactions with Anna, like. He he's got to know something's up. Like Anna has a lot of information, um, so this was kind of a weird thing where he, basically he, they don't yeah. really even talk about what's happening. They just give some really crazy looks at each other. Well, um, after they have yeah, he has dinner with Isabel, and then he like comes out of the room and she's standing there with a martini glass and throws it on the ground and then walks out and he yeah. just kind of stands there and looks at her. And they've been doing this this uh, version of this scene like for a few episodes. Times, yeah. And it's like, when are you gonna wake up, dude? (laughs) Like, uh, and yeah, I was completely proven wrong. Listen to me, like an episode ago, talking about how great a job this show was doing with not making her a one dimensional jilted lover, and then they absolutely go and do that. That's what they did. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So they made a fool out of me. Writers appreciate that. That's great. Also, I'm just too trusting. Um, but yeah, so she he he does nothing to prevent his this lounge singer from betraying him. Apparently, he doesn't think that she would go to the pouvoirs. Why wouldn't he? He's supposed to be pretty savvy guy. 
but yeah, you're right. She knows too much. She's got a motive. And he's like, ah, you know, it's probably fine. I'll just stand here and look at her quizzically. But there's no, I mean, there's no effort whatsoever to smooth no. things over with her at yes. all. And, you know, this is not exactly an easy world to be living in and for to have this information. So I thought, and I'll, and I admit, I was very annoyed by the fact that they did this with her because I was thinking the same thing. I was like, oh, so they made her something somewhat more interesting. Um, and then they totally took it all back. Um, so that was, that was annoying, but. And, and for, for the listener, we are completely conflating these two episodes. I, we, I think we both know that we're just we're, like, some of these story points are not significant enough to like play out in chronological order, but yeah, that's Anna. Is it Anna Valeri? Maybe is her name. I don't know. They call her a couple names, but she, her, her story arc is probably complete by the end of the uh, episode six. I doubt she's going to show up again. Um, yeah. I mean, they, I, she pretty much makes a disappearance, right? She gives uh, him in... the little smooch in the prison and then you see her waltzing out of there while Quinn's That's like, I can, I can explain I can explain what happened. And then you don't see her after that in that episode. So um, I really want to talk to you, H.A. Conrad, about the scene where Daryl discovers that the boat has been cut loose and he oh, turns, yeah. turns on Laurent and... Uh, Lauren doesn't own up to it right away and you're like oh Daryl just chill brother but he he's right like Lauren definitely cut the boat free um Daryl kind of turns into his dad it feels like for a few lines here what did you think of this I mean I kind of thought it was interesting and good um and I also understood his rage around because he they are they might they know they're being tracked and like he knows that this like he is so he does not want anything bad and so this is like the quintessential like dysfunctional reaction right where he's just so angry and he says some pretty awful things to Laurent and then takes a minute and takes it all back because Laurent basically says he didn't want Daryl to leave and Daryl just completely feel like i thought that they played this very well and it was in- incredibly upsetting to watch yeah, it's it's but incredibly also, upsetting to see daryl turn into that version of who you right, know he um, grew up with basically and then you watch him bring it back and that's even worse almost because you can you know how much guilt he feels about it and he yeah. knows exactly what's just happened so i actually thought that that was one of the like it was an amazing scene and also like Laurent the one thing that annoys me though is that I again I don't know that Laurent would have done it you know like this sometimes the way they play the the things that these kids do and how they write them just are beyond I I definitely dislike this like messiah thing with Laurent though this is like the most normal kid thing maybe he has done um but it was a pretty powerful scene and a pretty awful scene. Um, yeah, but it's, it's I, a total act of chaos that I don't, I don't, I feel like it would take a lot of balls for a kid to do something like that. Yeah. And I don't know that Laurent has really proven that he has that sort of. Yeah. I think that's what bothered me is it didn't feel like he was there yet. And like, he has enough independence. Like he was loves... a rebel really. No. Like, that's not a part no. of his character so far. Um, and he also like, I don't know. He looks up to Daryl so much. I just don't see him doing this. Um, but anyway, the heat, they have him do it. So you have to deal with it, I suppose. Um, yeah, but they, they make up and they're like, they're just walking to Mont Saint-Michel now. They know where they're going because Aslan gave Daryl the watch, the pocket watch, which was a big part of his story, too, about mm-hmm. like his uh, why he chose to keep on living after his family died was basically because of 
being told to fix this watch by Lo Sang, who we meet later. It's an interesting story. It's just, you know, as Lan is, he was there. He was interesting. He's dead. Uh, it's The Walking Dead. What are you going to do? Uh, and they're walking and toward. Also, you should make the, the note, though, that during this whole thing is that like a little bit like Laurent doesn't want to go to San Michel. He doesn't want to go to the nest. He wants to go to Daryl no matter yeah. what. Well, that's, that's what they're that's what they're talking about on the road. He's right. like, I can be your apprentice. Uh, you only have to have, tell right. me to do something one time. Uh, let me, you know, let me be your guy. And Daryl's like, no, I made a promise to uh, and to Isabel, and you know, she'll be that she's gonna go there to meet you, and yada yada. And it's like, cool. And then uh, cue the the truck sound, um, and somehow, like, let's say Anna knows exactly where they're going, which she doesn't. Um, right. How the hell do they find them? And not just that, but like they heard the truck from far away. It took them an awful long time to get off the road. Like they could have hidden and nobody would have known where they were. They could they could have hidden. They could have just kept walking into the forest. Instead, they stop and hide. And Laurent's like, oh, I left. I dropped my Rubik's Cube, a pencil. And apparently this this is enough. This is there's stuff all over the roads all the time in the zombie apocalypse. And this is enough to have the Garrier stop their truck and get out and do a search. Not just stop, but spot it from the road. And like it like that was really annoying. This is Um, probably the most frustrating thing that has happened in the entire series so far is them getting caught uh, and then how they get caught. So Daryl convinces Laurent to run. He's like, hey, you said you were going to do what I told you. And so he gets him to run. He's like, take this stop, take this watch, this and follow the river. You'll get there Uh-oh. eventually. Uh, and then then he's like, all right, I'm going to stay here. And then I'm going to attack these soldiers. There's like six of them. And he gets caught immediately. And I'm like, why did he even attack? They didn't know where he was. They weren't even sure that there was anybody there, I feel like. But so it's a stupid, it's a, it's a contrived, written in way for them to get caught. Laurent also certainly has not left and he comes back and Daryl to his credit or lack of credit is about to have his eye gouged out to save Laurent's, uh, you know, less location. Um, he also gets to say no comprende to a bunch of French, uh, French douchebags here. So that's, that was nice. I, I like it when, um, Daryl is just being Daryl. And also mm. I didn't know he spoke Spanish. Well done. Well done. Well done. Yeah. Uh, so they're caught. They're caught. And the next thing you know, Isabel and, and uh, freaking Quinn are getting marched into a jail cell, uh, which they apparently didn't see coming. Uh, it's f- kind of funny. Yeah, and, and then also, can we can we remark upon how Isabel, like when they're coming into this whole celebration, is really obvious about seeing Falou? Yeah, she like, does so, a double take in front of the guards. Like, like, let's be a little more obvious here. Like, about <laughs> the fact that you got people sort of in the crowd. I don't know. I thought that that was just definitely not subtle at all. Like, it was pretty rough. Like, she makes eye contact with all three of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all give her a nod, too. Yeah, it's her, like... Her, I mean, Sylvie's defense, she's a nun. She's new to this. <laughs> but the, the nods from Emil and Sylvie are not subtle. And then the trip, like, the giant double take to Falou from Sylvie next what she's standing next to the guards mm-hmm. also yeah not great um so it's just super crushingly de- depressing that uh, Daryl is in a jail cell and he's like sorry Isabel and Isabel looks terrified uh Quinn then calls Daryl an American Ponce I did my job if you hadn't if you'd done yours we would have been fine and I'm like mm-hmm. yeah Quinn has a point that was yeah. really dumb the way that Daryl got caught uh so yep 
But, you know, they the show is trying to pin it on Anna, even though it's super far-fetched. This is just like the most far-fetched and dumb thing that has happened. And so it's kind of annoying. Yep. Um, but then, you know, we get into the gladiator ring, which is, you know, Janae trying to, um, she, she basically tells Laurent, like, if he shows support, she'll, she'll like let, she won't hurt Isa. And like, she's very obvious about this coercion. Um, and they get in there and of course, in the gladiator. Can we just, can we, can we just address the, uh, final good piece of writing for Laurent? Actually, there's a couple, but when he's like, you're not angry, you just have a broken heart and, yeah. and they have Janae look like, you know, thunderstruck. And I was like, that's it. You did it. You did it again, guys. Well done. Yeah. Any Anytime yeah. they actually make Laurent seem like incredibly insightful, that really works for me. It's it, not so much with the break, you know, cutting of the ropes. No, stuff, but, but this, this stuff really works for me. And he does it again later when he's, well, it's not, it's not really the same thing, but it's more funny when at yeah. first he's like, Daryl can kill this zombie while mm-hmm. Isabella is praying. And then, you know, cut to four zombies later He's suddenly praying uh, the same prayer that he was telling. He was kind of telling Isabel that she didn't. Yeah, yeah. Um, and but anyway, this is like Daryl in the gladiator ring, full gladiator style. Um, you know, they've got the the altered zombies. This was actually to me really funny because the whatever they've got going on isn't foolproof, and yeah. the the doctors or whoever these guys are that are Janae's lackeys like that have been doing these experimentations like you know Daryl takes care of the first one it's it's hard to dispatch I like how they play it because he's just like all right I'm gonna it takes a lot of effort he does you know he does his duty and then it's like okay we're gonna bring in more and they like cuff it and it's interesting because they think he's gonna it's like he and Quinn think they're supposed to kill each other but then it's like no (laughs) um that was funny things go wrong but things go wrong like their heads are exploding whatever and the doctor's like there's still a couple more it was like really funny actually one of their heads explodes another a third one kills another one uh so the zombies actually are attacking each other which you've never seen uh before and this is this is really cool uh, but yeah, and the doctor looks super nervous and he's like, oh, there's still two. And one of them has a metal head and that really does give them a hard time. They are, they are trying, uh, un, un, they're unable to to brain it. Um, and then one that they've cut the leg off of jumps up on the back of Quinn. You don't see it bite him. No, nope, later- it's a bite. Uh, it's a la Carl. Uh, later, yeah. well, it's not quite, at least it's on his back where the zombie was, yeah. but there's no yeah. shot of it biting him. And nope. later when Daryl helps Quinn up, you see his back. It's yep. really dark and it's really fast, but there's no bite there's wound there. Bite. Nope. Um, um, so that was kind of annoying. Uh, like the, the bite wound shows up later when they're in, running around through tunnels and it goes super fast too. Like at, at first Quinn's like, what? It's a burn. I didn't even feel it. It's fine. Whatever. And then one scene later, he's like, Daryl, I can't go on. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wow, this is really, this is moving quickly. It usually takes like bad. 20, 24 hours, but okay. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I knew the minute that they locked him together. I was like, somebody, I, I was, I'm glad it wasn't Daryl, but I'm like, someone's going to lose a hand. I mean, it's, it's going to have to be what's going to, what's going to happen. And it's exactly what happened just to get him out, out of the cuffs. He it's walking cut dead tradition to get, yep. cut somebody's hand off or something. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, you know, Quinn is actually a pretty good fighter, though. Uh, he's he can one hand that Warhammer really well. Um, and between between him and Daryl, they handily defeat these super zombies. And I really liked it when Daryl threw the 
the head uh, yep. at Janae. It uh, the the scene goes again, sort of dumb. Uh, although all that stuff was super cool, I like the medieval weapons, and I loved the scene. You know, obviously, of Daryl putting a, a French flag, yep, through the head of one of the zombies, then uh, looking at, and seeing how you know gobsmacked Janae is. But when they're I like, also like I also like in true gladiator fashion. Initially, the people are all about Janae and yeah. they're in Vive la France, and then they're all and about then they are like Daryl, and you know that is very much a gladiator tradition where people would root for the gladiators. Um, and the the you know oh that this is borrowing a, a little bit from the Russell Crowe. Oh yeah, like and you have to be very careful because you you want and this her whole point of doing this was to get support for her cause and it turned into something she was not expecting um so that was kind of fun uh, the 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 part where this scene turns sideways for me is janae orders them to be shot there's one french guy with a gun falu kills him mm -hmm. uh, chaos erupts and then all of the soldiers and janae's people run away <laughs> yeah they don't do anything they all leave. and falu is able to just walk out so are daryl and quinn like mm -hmm. nobody stays to do anything. Um, and I, it wasn't because there was like a bunch of zombies in the room. It was one guy got shot. Granted, the civilians will probably freak out and run away. But there's a bunch of dudes with guns in there and they all run right. away, too. And nobody seemed to know who had shot. Uh, it was just a very ridiculous. It was ridiculous. It was. Uh, but yeah. So that the uh, and that's actually we're in the final episode now because it's really the final episode begins with that last with the with the zombie fighting. Um, also, it begins with Kodron yelling at Daryl Dixon, today you die for my brother. I keep wanting to be like, no, Daryl didn't freaking kill your brother, dude. It was that other lady who you let go. But fine, he, he would have if he'd had a chance. Um, so now everybody's running around. Daryl and Quinn have, you know, they do the hand cutoff thing. Quinn runs off to buy Daryl some time. It's a little, con yeah, again, we're a little contrived that they're going to give Quinn this send off that Mm -hmm. I'm not such a bad guy, but you know, there, there was never a real huge bad guy vibe to him. It was just that yeah. he basically used his child as a pawn to get yeah, his Isabel. girlfriend back from 10 years ago. It, it feels, it's just not the best. It's not the best uh, set of events. No. Um, um, Daryl, like there's not a whole lot more in this episode. Frankly, it's like Daryl goes out, he finds Falu, they get off his manacles. He says, get the car running, runs back inside by himself manages to save he doesn't really well yeah he, he runs into isabel and laurent behind a closed door and zombie quinn has to be dealt with this is sort of impactful i'd kind of forgotten that quinn was laurent's dad until later when he's like he wasn't my dad anymore or he yeah. was never really my dad um it's you know isabel is unable to to, to defeat him which is a little disappointing too yep uh, these these warrior nuns are not so warrior like Here? Um, but I do like Daryl's just like, you know, you got to do it, Lauren. And, and the fact that Lauren listens to him, even though this is really hard. It's the uh, God will forgive it. you that really persuades Lauren. Yep. Yep. Um, and so, yeah. And then it's a, um, you know, pretty, pretty quick separation from Falu and Emil. Emil and Sylvie give like a smooch goodbye and they're like, we'll see each other again. And it's like, yeah, will you? I don't what, know. Why do you think they did this in, on this show? Here. They were like, Sylvie is like, I want to stay here with Emil. This is where I want to help this community. And now she's like, I need to go with Isabel. What? Why did they, she change her mind? The stakes are the same as they were before. What has changed? 
Yeah, I don't know. We didn't understand it before, and now I don't understand it even more. It's like, this is so, yeah, frustrating. I guess, like, it's mostly to have Daryl go off by himself with Laurent, maybe. Uh, but yeah, this this part makes me wonder what the hell's going on. Uh, they drive yeah. off. They have some inter, you know, they have some interactions. Uh, Daryl's like, "Don't worry about Emil. He'll be fine. Falou's not going to let anything happen to him." Sylvie asks Daryl, "Have you ever been in love?" And he just doesn't say anything. Again, go- nope. taking me back to that, like, is he asexual? What's going on? Was he never in love with Leah? Maybe not, but I don't know. He threw fish at her front door for a few months. It's, is that not love? Uh, I don't know. I just think he did. It's even if he has been, he's not going to talk about it. Um, so certainly, he certainly doesn't talk about it. He doesn't talk. He just clams up. It's like, well, I'm done giving advice. Yep. Let's <laughs> let's look out the window. I'm not going to do. I'm not going to talk. Ava, give you any more. The truck um, breaks down. There's more discussion. Isabel's like, Laurent's changed so much since you got here. This is where Daryl says, my grandfather was, you know, died here. And it messed up my whole family ever since. And it was stupid. And why did, you know, dying for a cause just messed up his, messed up uh, my family. So we kind of get why there was a cold open about Normandy now, but it was a, it's, it was a weird road to get here. And like, it's, it is interesting background for his character. I'll grant you that, but I just feel like it was a weird introduction of it. And it just kind of did come out of nowhere. Um, And then, also coming out of nowhere is Kodron and these other Garriers who just yeah that was weird. So they're apparently all... they've tracked the truck somehow. Well, there's a tracker on it. I think that's what Kodron was implying is that there was somehow a tracker on it. Which again, in this particular day and age, really. But anyway, I don't know. He I, I, he's yeah. he's sitting there. Kodron's being all like the 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 big bad that he's been, and then. You know, Laurent says something like, God loves you. And then I will say Kudron's face when he realizes that the others are planning to kill Laurent changes. And so he I had think, he was being told to kill Laurent. Yeah. Um, but he ends up, you know, in this and this is what I find. This is another piece that I was like, this is just dumb. Um, he kills all the other groups, but then goes back to Janae, which doesn't make any sense to me because he knows enough about her to know that these kinds of failures are not something that she accepts. And at this point, she's going to know something happened. He, it doesn't make sense to me. Like, I think he would have just gone off on his own or he would have come with this group, but I just don't see him going back. So that was weird. Um, And then he he might not have known that Janae grew up or worked in a museum and learned how to spot lying eyes there. I mean, that's true because um, that's a real thing that people learn in museums h.a connor i don't know if I... you've ever been to a museum but if you haven't look at the eyes they'll tell you but you know janae having what they're trying to pass off as liberty leading the people on her wall which is obviously not that because that that painting is massive um i think she would know a little bit more about art and whatnot um but well, she apparently... thinks impressionists are all uh, what did she say about impressionism it was it was Degenerate work. Degenerate. (laughs) Uh, Oh, yeah. This lady knows everything about art, obviously. Mm -hmm. Anyway. But yes, Kodron going back there is is also like, what's his his end game? Like, he is one foot in the nest camp now, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess 
I guess you could argue, although everybody seems to know, like him just looking at the watch, he knows that the nest is at Saint Michel. It's just like he just looks at the watch and then he tells him how to get there, and then tells him how to get there, and then I, like this whole thing is just incredibly weird. Um, so anyway, um, but his lying eyes gave him away. His <laughs> yep. His three his three D eyes were just as lie as the two D ones that, that Jine is familiar with, um, uh, and you know what he starts he's going to get tortured for the location of Mont Saint Michel. Like this is that's where Codron's story ends. It's pretty weird uh, as far as story arcs go. There wasn't an arc to it so much as a straight line that suddenly veered off in one direction. Like there, that's to me that's just a bad development for what you're calling what I. You know, he was our regional big bad at the beginning of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was very consistent until all of a sudden he wasn't. And maybe that's kind of like how things will happen in real life when you're told to kill a child and you're like, well, I guess I guess I'm not that guy anymore. And so you have you do have to, like, switch gears. But his, uh, his one, one thing I will point out, though, he keeps accusing Daryl killing his brother. I know. Isabel is not standing up and saying, hey, it wasn't him. It was me. But maybe no, it wasn't Isabel. Know. It was it was Maribel. Oh, Maribel, that's right. It was um, that random, that other, like, that other woman. Yeah, what's yeah, yeah. Kraken noob, our first French lady that we met. Yeah, and she's still alive. She's out there in southern France somewhere. Well, we think. But anyway, like. But Isabel is- probably did witness. Oh, she didn't witness it, though, because she came after the soldiers later, arrived. I guess. But in any case, he isn't even the one who did it. I know. Um, and so, and it, so. They go on their merry way to to Saint Michel, where they find a New Jersey tram- transplant, who's leading up the charge there. This guy, uh, let's talk about this guy. His his character's name is Lo Sang. He's yep. from New Jersey. He's his French is actually not bad, but uh, as an American actor, he is oh god Joel De La Fuente. Mm. And if you ever saw Man in the High Tower, yep. he was Chief Inspector Keto playing a Japanese like Gestapo yeah, dude. So good in that role, too. Um, and it took me a while to connect the dots because here he's like this smiling, charming guy, and Chief Inspector Keto was anything but uh, yeah. so cool. It's just, I don't know, like, sure, it's another American in France. How many of them could there possibly be during the apocalypse? But, uh, Mont Saint Michel, what's your takeaway from this group of people? So they're in the nest. This is supposed to be sort of the stronghold of this particular movement. Yet they need Daryl to train them how to shoot mm-hmm. um, or they're practicing. Like, I find that to be ridiculous. I also think that this is a very well-known place. It's a very well-known place for a lot of reasons. And, you know, it has like the water coming in and it's it's a place that would probably be a little bit easier to defend although there is a lot of ground around it i suppose that you'd have to kind of i mean it is it is set up in such a way that it makes sense that some people would find safety here or find like this as a as a place of refuge but what doesn't make sense to me is that Janae wouldn't have taken this over long ago um just because it is so well known it isn't like too far out and like i i I don't know that they could have picked a more obvious place. Honestly, this isn't exactly a secret, you know? So that, that troubled me a bit. Um, But we've got a lot of like shots of Daryl sort of like hanging out with Laurent playing Rubik's doing the Rubik's cube thing. Lots of meaningful looks between him and Isabel, him like helping her with her wound. Um, 
lots of you know, yarmulkes, lots of uh, Muslim headgear, lots yeah. of priests with uh, Catholic collars. Uh, they're they're doing the this is like um we call it a stronghold. We, there were two guys with rifles when they first walked in, but this is really just like a place where they do lectures on what is what is it to be human, what is it to be rational. This is <laughs> not not something you see in the zombie apocalypse because the you know the people of of the cloth that we know from the old show all turned into cold blooded killers who are kind of like priests on the side warrior priests like gabriel and the, uh, his uh counterpart from the uh reapers i feel like are the two the last two religious people we ran into on the show really my yeah again i just feel like this would be a target like i just don't buy that this would exist and but... it feels it feels a little bit too much like a woodbury where people are just wearing sweater vests and uh and and you know focusing on their studies and it doesn't it doesn't feel like anything we've seen in the walking dead in a long time because those people all died right like in the first six months of the of the apocalypse so if they're going to introduce like a community of people like you said daryl has to teach them how to shoot if we're going to introduce a community of people who don't know how to defend themselves now that feels that weird feels, yeah and and not like step in the right direction this is this is way regressive for this show uh and it, it certainly does not convince daryl to stick around even though he seems to be enjoying himself yeah uh, on some level he he gets an offer from lo sang of a boat to dover then across the uh across the atlantic from england uh, to newfoundland to yeah. newfoundland yeah which is still so far from virginia so far. uh he's gonna need a couple more cans of ethanol and a car or he'll it'll take him like a year to walk there yep um, um so that's that's his offer he goes for it right away and he tries to leave without saying goodbye <laughs> which doesn't work out yeah he uh he pats laurent on the head and laurent's sleeping and he leaves the rubik's cube and he's out wait isabel tries to persuade him to stay but it, it's like well he's like look uh, i've he, got i've got people waiting for me i've got three five people that i could list to you right now yeah but he doesn't that's the funny thing he just always says just people and she does try to make some kind of a connection between his grandfather and like that you know she and laurent need him it's as close as she's going to get to saying she has feelings for him um but she puts laurent firmly there to like try to convince him but he's on his merry way um and you know it's not a short merry way either it, it's no. they show him walking for an entire day he leaves it before or at dawn uh, he's overnight in the, like a shed in the rain, and then he's walking the next day before he gets to the cemetery. Yeah, uh, where he finds his grandfather's gravestone. Just... Yeah, and I just have to say that's a lot there, of graves. There are a lot of graves there for him to be able to find it is, but I do like the idea that he suddenly becomes frantic and wants to find it because he sees that the boat's coming. Like he wants to find it and he does. And there's like a very nice, there's like a good moment there and it has like an enormous amount of weight upon him. Um, It connects him. It connects him back to something that we've not seen before. So I think that that's kind of cool. Um, And that, you know, this is, this is meaningful to him. And it's the first thing that we've ever seen just in terms of his family as like a, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of sorrow and pain there. And I just thought that they did a really nice job of that. And then he's going to go out to see the boat. And but before that has a bunch of walkers to dispatch that are coming out of nowhere because he no, they're not. coming. Well, 
they're coming out of the ground, but they wouldn't have if he hadn't gone, hey, boat or whatever. Like he's yelling at a boat that is half a mile away. And it's not going to hear him. No, it's not going to hear him. But he wakes up a hundred zombies. This is more zombies than we've seen since the Eiffel Tower. France in general doesn't have like big herds that we've at least seen on this show. But here you have a decent sized herd. Luckily, they're just not all together. But they're like sitting up out of sand dunes. They're coming out of the bunkers because this is Normandy. Uh, and these are the, the the remains of the concrete pillboxes and bunkers are there. And um, he does some pretty great work. There's some nice fight here, uh, fight stuff going on with his knife and the morning star. And I was enjoying it. And he's, then he's like down on the beach. He's walking toward the water purposefully when uh, you hear Laurent's <laughs> voice suddenly you know, over the beach, and you look back, and he's standing there on top of one of the bunkers. And Daryl looks back, uh, like I don't know what the expression is on his face. It's like half annoyed, half like resigned. Yep, that's exactly um, what it is. So I thought it was a pretty good expression. Um, <laughs> and then the other, the other part is, uh, like, I. <laughs> Like, I actually thought that this was like possibly a mirage because it was so weird that he's just like sitting on top of this thing with all the walkers coming around. Yeah, he's, he to have gotten on top of that bunker, he has had to thread his way through the zombie herd. Right. Uh, not not that they're like clo- closely clustered. He could have just darted through. But does that feel like something that Daryl uh, Laurent would do? I don't I don't know. Uh, but now he's on this bunker and there are zombies around it trying to get him like they show at least one in those it was like a drone shot so it's not like super close but you can see one like tr- putting his hands on top of the bunker hopefully they're not climbers because daryl is a good quarter mile away yep uh and that's you know that's the end of our our uh and he french beach like, and he doesn't look like he has any weapons by the way laurent does laurent not. does not appear to have anything he's just smiling he's got his a little hat on. it's a weird little hat on and he's just hanging out but um and that's it. And then we flash to to a scene that, you know, uh, was, you know, we see we see Daryl's bike. And I, you know, I was expecting the car to have Carol in it. So that worked out. I guess I did not know who was going to get out of the car, but we knew it was not going to be. Well, we didn't assume that it would be just like a random person. So, yeah, it makes sense that it was Carol. And uh, she easily dispatches or knocks out this guy. Um, and he's like, I, f- I got the bike from a camp. And so she heads to the camp to find who sold him Daryl's bike. And then we'll find out, I guess, in season two, what she's going to do with uh, the information that she finds there. And now she's riding Daryl's bike, apparently, which is pretty wild. She's used all of her detective skills to random to find him in this random, like, distant place in Maine. So... Yeah. Uh, so so we'll see what happens uh, in the book of Carol, <laughs> which is the next season. Um, and that's that for Daryl Dixon. So, yeah, it never really got back to that episode two level of excellence. Yeah. yeah. I mean, th- there were cool I, scenes. There was uh, uh, the transformations of the of the wild uh, Uber zombies in the arena were really good. Right. Like, you know, the, they do the, the veins popping, the eyes getting black. Uh, and they did this in one sh- it, like it was a shot of the zombie looking up at the ceiling while you saw that happening to it. I thought that was a really cool effect. Yeah. Um, 
And it was cool to see these zombies, you know, being all crazy. And I really enjoyed that. And I enjoyed Janae looking disappointed with how things were going. So that scene totally met all my uh, hopes and dreams. It was just like kind of everything else was was weird or it had weirdness to it. And I guess my expectation is that we were going to learn a little bit more about what they were doing to these things and have a little bit more of the past or the history here, like how things went down in, in France, or maybe this was the root of everything. And with these, the, these new style of walkers, like I thought that there would be a little bit more of an explanation on that front versus some of these storylines that to me feel again, like retreading ground that we've seen over and over again. Yeah. Um, Whereas there's the different factions and things like that. And so that's the part where I had been hoping to see, like, especially when they gave us that hint at the end of the OG series. Um, I thought we would get a little bit more of that, a little bit more of what had been happening with these experiments versus this sort of like almost like as a throwaway. Oh, by the way, we're experimenting on these things. And they, they did sort of show them off in the Coliseum scene, but like, I don't, think it showed as much as i thought it was going to and i'm not i'm not sure like i'm confused in a way because yeah there's they're suggesting that it's the pouvoir who are making the uh brulant zombies here but we've seen uh zombies with special abilities who have not probably had an opportunity to get experimented on the climbers yeah the, the climbers in uh in the commonwealth and uh, at the end of the world beyond scene with Dr. Jenner and in, that was set in France, that guy shoots that lady and she reanimates as something stronger and faster than anything yep. we'd seen before without experimentation, unless she'd been working on herself as a live person. I don't know. Yeah. I don't so know. There's, I feel like there are still some questions here and I'm hoping that they didn't just make these things happen without thinking them through. Right. Uh, because I would rather there was like a, a solid line of logic to all of this than just like, eh, you know, maybe some of them could just climb and that would be, that'd be fun. Well, and that was kind of like, I thought Daryl was trying to find answers to some of that or answers to something. And that's where I thought that this series was going to go. And maybe that's what happens. I didn't think it was going to be just sort of this random, he ends up in Paris because he ends up on a container ship. Um, yeah, or and I, honestly, we didn't really talk that much about the container ship scenes. And I, I guess in addition to the arena scene, I would say, the flashback stuff of Daryl in Maine and then getting on the boat and everything that happened on the boat were also highlights for me for these last two episodes. Yeah, yeah they definitely were. Um, and they do show a little bit of the fact that there are these different types of walkers. Like he escapes out of this thing and there's, you know, they're definitely climbing up the ladder and that's a new thing. And so they show that. But again, I thought that they were just going to go a little bit more into that storyline and, and give us a little bit more about why. Not just that this was like rando experimentation by the poopoir. Um, but anyway. Yeah. I don't um, know. Maybe maybe that one Uber zombie on the boat was not created, but was they'd found it and, and managed to bolt it to the wall yeah. in, in that in its state. And they were like creating their um their own version of their version of it from that. Like it could be that, but they didn't make that super clear. Uh, okay. either way, yeah, like there's a lot more interesting stuff that could be explained here. I kind of hope that they focus more on that in season two. Agree. Um, but, you know, we'd love to know everybody's thoughts about this. So send us your thoughts. Uh, reanimatedpodcast at gmail.com. 
can check us out on Podbean, but Stuart's going to tell you that because I always mess it up. Oof. It's podbean.reanimate. Wait, it's reanimated.podbean.com. Reanimated.podbean.com. Nice, nice. Um, So what are we talking about next time? I think next time we should begin our jaunt down ZOM 100 with uh, starting with the animated series. All right. That sounds good to me. Cool. Uh, So until next time, hope to hear from you all. Hope you enjoyed walking through this as as much as we did. And um, until next time, ciao. All righty. Bye-bye.